Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. We now know the name George Floyd. We are being encouraged to speak it. We are being encouraged to um, not allow uh, George Floyd to be a name that just drops off the screen of our personal, individual, or collective moral conscience as we have allowed the names of so many others to, to just fall away as we have returned to, you know, frankly, our comfortable ruts. And so this period of unrest continues, and uh, it's a righteous unrest, and I am going to be one of those people that discourages us from returning to ruts of uh, this, a peace that is only a peace for some. So uh, let me just tell you that in advance. I think this is a long-term recovery and not just a recovery to that which was, but a moving forward into that which has never been, um, where we are not only individually reconciled to God in Jesus Christ, but we live as people who are reconciled to one another in tangible ways. So I want to share with you, uh, the brother of George Floyd is Terrence. Terrence spoke publicly yesterday uh, seeking to communicate about himself, his brother, their family, being people of peace and people of faith and God-fearing. I think it is fair to say that Terrence Floyd, like his brother George, uh, is a brother in Christ with whom we're going to spend eternity. And uh, so let's not wait until we get uh, to the other side of heaven's shore to take up the cause with now our brother Terrence. And that is a cause of peace. He said, it's okay to be angry, but channel your anger to do something positive to make a change another way. We've been down this road already. Uh, He, there he's referring to George, would want us to seek justice. The anger damaging your hometown, that's not the way he'd want it. Violence begets violence. Um, And there are those who are not only engaging in violence against property and people and the police, there are others who are agitating and inciting and provoking violence. And so let us be very, very clear that none of that is okay. Um, participating in, uh, in violence of any form is not okay. Stoking racial fear is not okay. Encouraging people to take up arms against one another is not okay. Not helpful. There's a new Axios uh, Ipsos poll out this morning finds that America has a massive racial divide on the question of the trust in the police and also the fear of the coronavirus. That's an interesting, uh, interesting two-part survey. 77% of white Americans say they trust the local police. That's compared with just 36% of African Americans. 
Seventy-five percent of African Americans say they are extremely or very concerned that the coronavirus is doing great damage to people of color, while only 30 percent of whites share that concern. We are divided over many things. Uh, The race differences or the ethnic differences or viewpoints in this country are massive. Um, It's time for us to uh, get beyond wanting to understand the other, and it's time for us to um, actually engage, do something tangible today that makes a positive difference in this conversation um, so that we can move forward together, um, not as people who see one another across a great divide, but as people who um, walk to a meeting place in the middle and figure out who the other is and how we're going to walk together from there. So Justin Gibney graciously uh, helps me do that. He is an African-American. He's an attorney. Um, he is an activist. He's the head of the AND campaign. And he's going to be here next. And I'm going to ask him what I've been asking everybody else. First off, how do you see what's going on in your city and our nation right now? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Justin Gibney. He heads up the AND campaign. Uh, He is also a brother in Christ. He is an attorney by profession. Um, And he um, has graciously taught me many things about myself and the world in which we live together and the kingdom that we are both seeking to advance. Welcome back, Justin. Hey, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Um. I don't really have words. I just have, I'm going to start with a question. So how do you see what's going on in your city? You live in Atlanta. Um, How do you see what's going on in your city and our nation right now? Well, I see it just, uh, it just grieves me. Uh, I see Mm -hmm. it as as something that's, um, that's been building up for a while. Um, I think, you know, I've said before that I think the protests uh, were necessary, that they were called for, uh, that the riots were unfortunate and regrettable. Uh, this is something throughout our country that has been building, and and unfortunately, it had to get to this point for people really to start paying attention. Um, and so we never want to see uh, this type of destruction. We never want to see uh, lives put in harm's way. And so we're just praying that uh, America gets the point and that those who are protesting would, would uh, do so in a way that's constructive and, and more impactful. So let's talk about— um constructive because last night uh, you had what I would describe as a constructive event in Atlanta. Talk about that. Yeah. So the Ann campaign hosted a prayer and action rally. And really the point of what we were trying to do was to send a message to those who are grieving, those who are frustrated, those who are angry and fed up uh, to let them know that the church uh, shares their pain, that we are grieving with them, that their tears are our tears and we're not discounting anybody's uh, concerns, anyone's pain, and not even anyone's calls for disruption. You know, one of the points that I made last night was that I think Christians too often dismiss and discourage disruption, but the truth of the matter is that the Bible does not always treat disruption as a negative. 
uh, on a personal level, we know that we have to be disrupted as sinners in order to uh, receive salvation. And I think it's similar on the societal side of it. In order for a broken society or a, a wicked society to be redeemed or have some level of redemption, there needs to be uh, disruption. Uh, and so we see that all through uh, the Bible, we see a disrupting. I, I think that God expects his people to be disruptive when they're in the midst of injustice and unrighteousness. And so we just have to make sure that we do that according to a certain standard, according to God's standard. When we're going about our father's work, it has to be done in a certain way. So Justin, I had a conversation yesterday with um, uh, a person uh, who's older than me and white, and she was distressed, I would say is the best word, because, you know, this is this is not what she's been praying for. And I said, well, what have you been praying for? And she said, I've been praying for revival. And I said, "Um, okay, so what about this doesn't feel like revival? And so I think that getting people to think differently about, you know, the way God may be using something. Right. I mean, this is very uncomfortable. This is very disruptive. Mm -hmm. This is a period of unrest. Everybody is paying attention now. Um, and everybody is paying attention to the underlying concern. Yes, everyone is equally distressed um, about the destructive rioting and, and the lawlessness and the looting. And we, we all, everyone is universally, everyone that I'm aware of is universally condemning that. Everyone is also universally condemning what happened to George Floyd. I don't know anyone in any way, shape, or form, who is seeking to justify nor defend the actions of the police in, in this case. Um, and and yet he is the latest in a very, very, very long list of individuals um, who have lost their lives in similar manner. Um, maybe not exactly the same circumstances, but similar manner. And um, And so people are awake. I mean, I, I think that if, if we're going to if we're uh, if we're going to rightly use the term wake and the way in which people publicly grieve and lament the death of an individual, um, that this is this is a at one level what is happening in terms of the peaceful protests demands for justice is is the way that America is together collectively and people around the world, frankly. I mean, the the scenes from Amsterdam last night were extraordinary. Um, thousands and thousands of people standing in solidarity with African-Americans and other uh, other Americans who are concerned about justice. Um, remembering George Floyd, that's a that's sort of a global wake. And so we're awake in the midst of this wake. Um, talk with us about the protests and then talk with us about. Racialized violence, because that is racialized violence is language that a lot of people may not use on a daily basis, and they may not quite understand what you're talking about. There's a statement posted, for those of you who are not aware, there's a statement posted at andcampaign.org about racialized violence in America. Yeah, sure. So uh, first, in regard to the protest, you know, I, I would I would say that I have been uh, one one maybe silver lining in this conversation is that people have admitted that uh that was wrong, what happened to George Floyd. And, and that's been good. I think people have recognized that. One thing we can work on as far as the protest and even the riots to some extent is what we emphasize, though. Um, I still see some folks emphasizing one thing or the other to fit their narrative. And so I think we have to look at what caused these riots. When no one, you know, 
I don't think at all we should glorify the riots or romanticize the riots, but we do have to look at the cause. When you're trying to fix something, uh, it's it's better to look at you know the core cause and try to fix that than to look at the result or the reaction uh, to to that cause. Uh, and so I do want to say that that these protests are a reaction and a response to something that's been going on for too long. And, and, and that leads into the other conversation, which is racialized violence. You know, some people will say, well, was this racially motivated? Uh, I don't know that this was explicitly racially motivated, but that's not the point. Racialized violence comes from kind of a disregard or the way the, the way that people look at African-Americans primarily differently and they treat them differently. So although he may not have explicitly called him the N-word or pulled him over just because he was black, there are certain assumptions that we have that lead to black people being treated more violently than others. There's a reason that you may not see someone who looks like you, Carmen, in that same situation as often. And that's what we're calling racialized violence. It has racial undertones and some people only want to uh, acknowledge of uh, racial violence that is ex- uh, that is um, explicit, but we're saying it's not always explicit. It's a part of a larger issue in how we view people and how we treat people differently, even if it's almost subconscious. It's the it's the white woman in Central Park with her dog off a leash, who knows who knows that if she calls the police and says that the person she's in encountering is African-American and male, and she feels threatened, that the response to that is going to be specific. That's right. That, that it, it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Justin Gibney and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. I'm going to ask Justin what he hears when he hears the phrase, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It gets so hard just trying to figure it out. Fighting down, trying to believe God, trying to watch the words of my mouth and stay on the Trouble come and go, even on the mountain. Justin, a couple of days ago, um, the president of the United States used a phrase that um, many people hear as a historical reference, others um, hear differently. I want to ask you, what do you hear when you hear the phrase, um, when the looting starts, the shooting starts? Yeah. First, uh, as an attorney, I would say I hear something that is uh, not legally defensible. Killing someone over property is not legally defensible. So for a president to make a statement like that uh, is just is just really unfortunate. Uh, As a black man, though, I hear just a disregard for life. Uh, I hear a performative statement that seems almost to be Jim Crow-esque. And it's disregarding the seriousness of what's going on. It shows a distance from the fact that these are people's uh, children, uh, mothers and fathers that are out there. Uh, and just and to say, you know, if you start looting or you take something that we're going to shoot you, uh, it just it just sets the wrong tone. And it goes in the exact opposite direction of what a leader should be putting out there. And so it's unfortunate. Um, I I. It's, it's just hard to, you know, you wouldn't imagine that uh, someone in that position would make a statement like that in this day and time. But here we are. So um, I hear, um, you know, a historical reference as well. Um, there's a history behind that phrase. The, the president has said he was either unaware of that history or certainly wasn't making direct reference to it. We now have at least at least one 
uh, member of law enforcement, a sheriff in uh, just outside of Tampa, intoning um, the phrase and actually openly telling people, he said, you know, you, you got to know the people of my county own guns and um, I expect them to use those if somebody uh, comes um, to take their property. And I, I am concerned um, that all of that is inciting violence against one another, um, even though, I mean, I, you know, this is this is when, Justin, we have to at some level then also say um, in order to live in a civil society together, we have to be respecters of uh, of limits in terms of um, the encroachment upon our personal what selves places spaces um do you see what i'm saying like what yeah is there a difference for you um in terms of like a business versus someone's home there is a difference between business and a home uh, i think when you enter into someone's home that becomes a threat to the person more so and so then you're talking about more of a, a self-defense conversation that's very different than if you're defending your business and your assets. Nobody's taking that lightly, and no one should be coming in your business and taking things. But there is a there is a difference there. I mean, even legally. So legally speaking, you know, our laws do make a difference between someone entering into your home and someone entering into your business. Um, unless you're you feel uh, physically threatened, uh, your, that your life is threatened, you can you know you should not be using deadly force to protect your business or property within your business. Somebody entering your home is often a different conversation. Um, but but we need to, you know, at the end of the day, Carmen, this is a human dignity conversation. And how much do you value human life? Absolutely. When you say when the looting starts, the shooting starts, it's it's saying outright that, hey, when this goes wrong, we're, we're going to kill people. Not that we're going to try to defuse it, not that we're going to try to do everything we can to prevent it, that we're we're going to start shooting. And that's just not that message is just so irresponsible when real lives on the line. And if you value life, you shouldn't be making a uh, just a reckless statement like that. Absolutely. All right. Um, you and I have talked on several occasions about um, pastors needing to equip their congregations to be actively anti-racist. Um, we're going to, you know, obviously circle back around to those conversations um, over and over and over again, I have talked here with D.A. Horton just this past Friday. We talked with Derwin Gray yesterday. People are offering up really good ideas in terms of, you know, actively engaging. Um, some of it just starts, Justin, by people reading different things and listening to different voices. And so um, I just appreciate that you are continually willing to be patient, um, but also be prophetic, uh, to uh, to listen and then to um, tell me where I'm missing things and where I'm wrong. Um, I value this, and and I hope, I mean, I know it's helping me. I hope it's also um, helping others to be equipped that we could actually become actively, I don't want to just say anti-racist. I actually like uh, uh, D.A. Horton's language of like, right, we're going to eliminate ethnic animosity. <laughs> figure out how to get beyond that. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you for giving uh, the Ann campaign a voice and, and being open to listen. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, all right. I want everybody to check out the uh, the Crux and the Call. It's a podcast uh, in which Justin is the co-host, thecruxandthecall.com. You can obviously find the Ann campaign at, at, at well, andcampaign.org, A-N-D campaign.org. Justin, thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. Take care. Well, 
You too. We'll be right back. Okay, so we talked about uh, the big worldview divide between theists and non-theists earlier. Well, maybe that's the end of last week. Um, it is the real divide. The real divide among humanity writ large is is the difference between those who actually see beyond what is seen, see the unseen, and those who deny anything beyond uh, what they can experience with their five senses. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to talk with Sharon Beekman, author of Rescued and Redeemed. Um, among other things, we're going to talk about her experiences, lived experiences, tangible experiences with that which is unseen in the world. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Am I having Doug now or am I doing him in a minute? Oh, well, right now I got Doug Smith, station manager from 102.5 FM and AM 1200 in Fargo-Moorhead. I thought Doug was after the news break, but Doug's here now, breaking the news. Good morning, sir. Yeah, hi, Carmen. How you doing? All right, so... I'm doing well. So we are um, very nearly where we need to be. And I just wanted to invite you on to uh, speak a little bit about your own experience there in the Fargo-Moorhead area uh, in the Red River Valley. Yeah, well, you know, I know that the listeners to Faith Radio here in the Valley are always generous when it comes to supporting the station. And I just want to make another appeal to your generosity. Now, it may be that it's been a number of months since your last gift, maybe more than a year. And if that's the case, we especially need for you to rejoin the support team here at Faith Radio. And, you know, we estimate that maybe 95% of Faith Radio listeners have never given to support the station. Uh, maybe you believe that the amount that you could give wouldn't make a difference. Well, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Gifts of all amounts are needed and appreciated. And we're hoping for some day partners to show up. Our day partner level is 1800 Has God blessed you financially? then you are the person we need to give at that level. Others, perhaps most, can't give at that level, but you could give at the Team 360 level. But above all, everyone can do something. What is the amount that God is laying on your heart to give right now? Whatever it is, that's the amount we need for you to call and give right now. Um, so, Doug, your station in, uh, in, in Fargo, KFNW, um, been there for how many years? Well, we've been here since the 1950s, so that's over 60 years. And uh, many of the folks who supported the station in our early years are home in heaven now. But their giving, their giving made this station possible for you to enjoy today. If they hadn't given faithfully, and in many cases sacrificially, in those early years, we wouldn't be here today. So now it's your turn to carry on the support, not just for yourself, but for future generations. Do you want Faith Radio to be here for your children and grandchildren tomorrow? Then we need for you to give today. The, the best and the easiest way is for you to give online at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also call or text to this number, 877-933-2484. If you call, just press 2 to make your gift. You are needed. It's all about teamwork. You and us here at the station working together to share the life-changing message of God's love. So please give right now, myfaithradio.com. Doug Smith, thanks so much for what you do every single day up there in the Red River Valley. And thanks for joining us this morning on Mornings with Carmen. All right. Thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back. Waiting is easier said than done. 
This is Max Locato. Waiting doesn't come easy for me. I've been in a hurry all of my life. Pedal faster, drive quicker. I used to wear my wristwatch on the inside of my arm so I wouldn't lose the millisecond it took to turn my wrist. I wonder if I could have obeyed God's ancient command to keep the Sabbath holy, to slow life to a crawl for 24 hours. <laughs> the Sabbath was created for frantic souls like me, people who need this weekly reminder, the world will not stop if you do. Isaiah 40, 31 promises, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait on the Lord. He will bring rest to your soul. This is Max Locato. Sometimes we hear people uh, making reference to angels, uh, even calling upon them or seeking out a spirit guide. Sharon Beekman joins me now. Um, She believed that the spiritual realm was a safe place to explore. Um, We're going to talk about the reality that not all spirits have our best interest in mind. Sharon Beekman, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thank you, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, you have you have three books that I'm aware of, Silencing Satan, Angels, Demons, and the Dead, Rescued and Redeemed. People can find them all at SharonBeekman.org. Let's just start, Sharon, by um, uh, addressing the, the denial that some people are, that live in. So there's some people who just deny that there's anything beyond um, the human realm. Talk with us about the unseen realm, um, that realm of angels and demons and and the dead. I think what's happened through the years is that social sciences have taken over to explain everything about life. And so by just virtue of believing in mental health and psychology, that we kind of forget that there is a spiritual realm. That's exactly what happened to me because I got into marriage and family therapy, and I had a private practice. I was not a Christian, but I experienced a void in my heart, and so I decided to meditate. And I joined a spiritualist group, meditated for seven years, and there I contacted, or they contacted me, angels and spirits of the dead. I would communicate with them. I thought there was nothing wrong with it. They always gave me a sense of peace, and their messages were uplifting. But I did notice that something was happening in me, and that was that I was feeling more fragile, and I had an icy core that, that I didn't know what to do with. So I decided to stop all that, and when I did, the spirits took control of me, and I was possessed for about two and a half years. Okay, so when you say that, um, there are people listening right now who are wondering what that what that is like, and did you know it? I mean, did you know it? How, what it was your level of awareness of that? Um, because 
if we're not experiencing it ourselves, there are those of us who believe we know someone who is spiritually possessed. Talk, talk with us about this. I was totally aware of what had happened because I had talked with these spirits before. So I knew that they had taken me over. <clears throat> and yet I couldn't get command of myself. I couldn't force them to leave. I could refuse to act on what they inspired me to do. But I could not make them leave. So I watched evil dramas in my mind. And they used my emotions and mind to, to talk. And I got very desperate. So I reached out to a friend who was, I thought, into Zen Buddhism. But she had just become a Christian. So I reached out to her and I told her that I didn't know what to do. I got caught in the new age and that I needed a stronger spiritual presence. So she said, I'll send you the biography of someone who overcame these spirits. And she sent me the Bible. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm. And so she told me to walk into church, tell them I was demon possessed and wanted to know Jesus Christ. And that's what I did. And I walked into a church and as they prayed, the Spirit of God came and broke the demon's hold on me. And when the Spirit entered me, that's when the demons were cast out. Okay, so Sharon, I, and so as you share that, first of all, we want to thank God. We want to thank God for your redemption um, and your liberation. And then we also want to be like really quick to examine ourselves and say, would I, would I know um, how to do what this friend of yours did? Um, and would I know how to do it in a way that was so provocative and gentle and right, which was to suggest that I'm sending you a biography of a person who has overcome uh, the demons who possess people? That that was just genius. And then would I also no. be confident in saying, walk into a church, walk into any church, tell them you're demon possessed and they will help you. Um, I, that I'm not sure that if you walked into every church in America right now, the response that you would get is the response that you got. So when, when we come back, we got to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, I, I want to talk with about what you're doing because you're really equipping Christians to do for others what you have experienced. And so we want to talk about that uh, in just a moment. My conversation partner right now is Sharon Beekman. You can find her at Sharon Beekman. Beekman is two E's and two N's. SharonBeekman.org. We'll be right back. We make a miracle walking, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I am continuing my conversation with Sharon Beekman. Um, she is the author of Silencing Satan, Angels, Demons, and the Dead, and her most recent book, Rescued and Redeemed. Um, Sharon, uh, in in these books, you really do uh, a work of equipping. And I think that helping people understand the difference between uh, demons and the divine, um, helping people understand what discernment is and why it's important, and then how to not only um, address these concerns for ourselves, but how to address these concerns in the lives of others are probably the provocative uh, questions that you're really answering in your ministry. So um, choose any one of those threads and pull it. Okay. Um, for one, discernment comes from God. And we are equipped from God himself because he's given us the spirit and the word. 
So he, he equips us to tell what is and is not of him and what is demonic and what is one of his holy angels. The Bible actually tells us all we need to know about angels, demons, and the dead. Because in the Bible, the angels that, that God sends always speak for God about what God is going to do. Whereas if a demon masquerades as an angel, what they do is they kind of tickle our imaginations and make us curious about something in our lives. Um, I give give an example in the book, Angels, Demons, and the Dead, that if an angel appears and says, your sister is in heaven and everything is okay, that likely is not from God. Because what God will do is he'll say, like he did with the angel Gabriel, I am going to do this, and your part will be this, and it will be because I am going to be glorified in my creation. That's a pretty big divide. That's a pretty big divide. Yes. Uh, um, I think when we when we try to talk about spiritual beings, um, heavenly beings, we try to talk about uh, the spiritual realm. It's a. It is not a place where we are comfortable. Um, no. So can you? I'm never going to get to the place. I mean, I'm really never going to get to the place where I'm completely comfortable with God, right? I mean, He's holy other. I should be. It's like it's. It, it is uh, this genuinely awesome, um, right on the verge of fearful, but also excited and delighted uh, experience to be in the presence of the living God, right? So I don't think that there's ever this time where I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm I'm so comfortable with God. Like that doesn't seem right either. But people no. do grow comfortable um, with spiritual beings who are not of God. How how is that so? Because people have a tendency, one, not to really know the Bible, but two, our culture believes in angels, whereas they don't necessarily believe in God. And so angels are talked about in the movies and films considered touched by an angel, and they're portrayed as wonderful counselors that are almost intermediaries between us and God, whereas that's not biblical. Angels are around us, but they're invisible. If an angel appears, he'll always point us to God and what God is going to do. That's a pretty big divide, because a demon will masquerade as an angel or spirit of the dead, and confuse us. So we have to know our Bible, and we have to know the attributes and who is God, holy God. Does that help? Yeah, you got you to know the real thing in order to discern that which is not yeah. the real thing. Um, we you... can't do it based on experience. Right. Our experiences, defy, you know, confuse us, because angels are powerful, and so are demons in terms of their ability to masquerade. And we just get so excited at seeing something supernatural, we don't think to test it. We don't think to test the spirit. Yeah, and there's certainly really good equipping in the scriptures um, to help us test the spirit. There's also really good equipping in Sharon's books. I want you to check them out. Sharon Beekman. Beekman has two E's and two N's. Sharon Beekman dot o-r-g um sharon you have uh you have alluded to something a couple of times here in our conversation um and that is the dead 
So we talk about angels, we talk about demons, we talk about the divine, we also talk about the dead. Um, people right. are uh, kind of fascinated with contacting the dead, talking to the dead. Um, I'm not particularly interested in that myself in terms of being drawn to it. Um, those who whom I love, who have died in Christ, I want them to be in his presence um, doing whatever it is they're, uh, they're delighting in. Um, I don't have any interest in them, you know, being engaged in what I'm doing now. Like, that's just not in me. But it's in a lot of people. A lot of people seem to want that. Talk with us about the dead. Well, when, when the dead appear, they give you just enough information to convince you that it's really them. But the Bible tells us not to talk to the dead, ever. We're just not to do it. In biblical times, people believed that it was the dead that possessed people, not demons, because demons and the dead are, were murky in their minds. They didn't understand the difference. So the Bible was clear that we're not to talk to the dead. We're not to seek them out at all. We're only to seek Heavenly Father and God, so that we can rely upon him for our source of information about the spiritual realm. He is our provider. And so I just clearly say not to talk to the dead. One of the references is Deuteronomy 18.10. Just read through those scriptures in Deuteronomy, and he's very clear that we're not to consult the dead. Sharon, you're doing something unique, and I really appreciate it. Um, uh, for those of you who um, have questions about angels, demons, and the dead, for those of you who have uh, an interest in uh, hearing a testimony of what it means to be rescued and redeemed, for those of you who want to learn how to discern um, between the spirits, for those of you who want a handbook on uh, uh, on biblically silencing Satan, those are the things that um, Sharon Beekman is offering. I think it's a very unique Christian discernment ministry, and I want you to check it out, SharonBeekman.org. Sharon, thanks for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. God bless. We'll be right back. All right, in other news, the, um, the music industry today has planned what's called Blackout Tuesday. Um, their response to the death of George Floyd is uh, is going to be, quote, a day to disconnect from work and reconnect with our community. Um, and so uh, Blackout Tuesday is going on today, um, but you won't see it because they're blacking out all of their social media. So they're not out there. They are um, out there in a different way, supposedly reconnecting um, with the communities around them. Uh, don't don't wait for somebody to come up with a hashtag to re-engage your community. Um, don't don't wait for somebody to come up with some, um, you know, cutesy uh, way of doing it. Just just go out there and do it. Do the right thing the first time and every time and do it today. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. 
If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.